the streams podcast back with you very excited first episode of what we hope is at least a monthly reoccurring segment with two of our previous guests if you've listened uh, in the month of september we're lucky enough to have some people in the field that everybody out there knows i'm very passionate about uh jeff matsushita joined us from the idaho coalition against uh, sexual assault and domestic violence carly Rohner joined us last week from the oregon attorney general's uh sexual assault task force so they have because we, we had such great feedback from all the listeners uh, to what they had to say and what they had to share. And obviously because I love talking to people smarter than me in certain issues, I wanted to make sure they came back. Uh, And if we can get them under our big label of Cross the Streams, we'll just make them another monthly edition like our listen-ups, like our useless full information, like our edition on the drives. We just keep adding labels, uh, keep adding uh, artists under our label. Does that make me a music producer? I don't know. Maybe I'm just a creative producer. I don't know. How are you guys? guys doing welcome both of you hey kip it's good to hear you hey i'm good really good carly really thank you just you know in 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 front of everybody for you connecting kip and i um this has been i've I've geeked out in these conversations that i've had with kip with once but then listening through the podcast so again i really appreciate you seeing as a strength connecting us um and making the introductions happen Oh, you're so welcome, and it's so fun to be joined by both of you. When um, Jeff, when you and I met, I did not anticipate anything like this happening. So this is so fun just to be able to spend time with both of you. Hey, hey guys, I want to I want to enter because we shoot we shot out a couple ideas to each other over our group our group chat. You know, hey, what should we call it? What are some things we're looking at? And me being a comic nerd that I love, Sidebar Joker's coming out this week, so I'll be there opening night. It's it's, it's a <laughs> sickness, I know. Uh, but I threw out like Task Force X and other things. And Jeff, I thought. You had you. We landed on like one of your ideas that I thought was really good, calling men in, and I and I wanted to, to give you the first crack at you know explaining your thought process, Carly, why it resonated with you. You know, I'll add in there, but I love the I love that uh, and why you think that's appropriate for our discussions, hopefully on a monthly basis. Again, I think this conversation is a touch off. Um, I'll line up with you, man. I'm. I'm a more of a Marvel guy. Oh so, my goodness! Are we breaking up right now? It's only two minutes in. No, I'm kidding. I'm all in on Marvel. I'm all in on Marvel too. The uh, that, that idea of, of calling calling men in, um, it just my time with this work. I've seen like we're coming to this. this I heard it today called the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. This is maybe the folks who use social media much quickly, but it's either you're in or you're out, and there's this really high bar of entry. Um, and, and when, in these conversations that we're talking about at the Idaho Coalition and beyond, we, we need to shift that. We're talking about a low bar of entry. We're looking for people who are ready, willing, and open. You know, and that's a relatively low bar. But the expectation of coming along and doing things specifically for men is, you know, listen to people who are affected, like we talked about last time, but usually women and women of color and other people from the margins, um, LGBTQI folks, people who, who, who face oppressions. We as men with privileges I have as a cisgendered heterosexual middle class white appearing man like I I gotta listen a lot more so that idea of not just canceling people out when they say something that may be off the wall or offensive or harmful or anywhere on a continuum we need to do this idea for us about calling people back in because mm-hmm. we know that we can't cut people off right that, yeah. that we, we choose all of us as one of our campaigns so to live into that it's a flip of the language. Um, however, I think for conversations with men, um, I found that pretty helpful for me to humanize the men I'm talking with rather than be so quick to cut them. So it's really about bringing more folks into the fold. I love it. Carly, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, I completely agree. And I think one of the things when Jeff sent that name and I got really excited about it, one of the first things that came up for me was um, – the spaces and the trainings and all of the messaging that we have used particularly towards men, but especially towards male athletes, I think over the last couple decades have really focused until recently on here's all of the ways that you're terrible and Mm -hmm. here's all of the ways that you 
need to stop your peers from doing terrible things or something along those lines and really um, aligning all men in a category where they they are potential perpetrators or are perpetrators of violence. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, like Jeff was saying, that we choose all of us, we also know that folks who identify as male are impacted by violence, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that might... um, the name when we were talking about that or when Jeff sent that through, I immediately thought to that change that we're trying to start with athletes that we're trying to start with men in general around, you can be a part of this. You can help the people in your community. You might've been harmed by someone and that you can still be part of this equation. And so for me, that's where I just, when Jeff shared that name, I got really excited and uh, fell in love with the name. Cause I think it really calls to, bringing everybody to the conversation for that capacity that we talked about in the last episode. Right. Let me ask Let me ask you both and throw this out there for whoever wants to take a stab at it first. Jeff, you mentioned the cancel culture. And I think that's something that obviously, like you mentioned, social media, it's like people going back in time, like, oh my God, when I was 12, I did this. I must be awful. Or like you did this when you were 18, you're now 34, but you, you have no sway in this conversation now. You cannot participate. I've already judged you. And I know my players have, have, have mentioned something about the cancel culture, not just on Willamette's campus, but I think colleges are a, a big time and big breeding ground for the cancel culture because kids are learning new things and they're excited about what they're picking up and the movement they want to be a part of. But I do think it's then, oh, I can target your failure from this movement 17 years ago and now you're out. Have you guys come across that in, in your work? 100%. Yeah. Carly, I, I love how you, you built in the last time, and I'm a C student for life, so I'm going <laughs> to let the smart folks go, and then I may uh, add in if there's something I hear that I can riff on. I really, I really believe that this is going to be a super deferential podcast where we just spend time being like, oh, you're, we love you. You go first. Thanks so <laughs> you much. You two are going to make me call out the answer, aren't you? You're making me go and say, yeah. Jeff, Jeff, you now have a minute and a half. Carly, you will have 90 seconds following that. <laughs> I know that you watch the debates. We uh-huh. could do a debate style. We could. And have like a minute and a half a person with rebuttals. I think that, right? I don't, I don't like that format, but yeah. we could. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'll come in on that. I, I absolutely see that comment culture or that um, kind of call-out culture mm-hmm. being something, especially, I agree, on college campuses. And one of the things that can be helpful, and I think where a lot of folks come from in that, is trying to demonstrate accountability and saying, for so long, we have looked at issues of violence, all of the um, societal oppressions that lead up to violence, and said, this is really difficult, we don't want to talk about this, or somebody's making too big a deal, or we are invalidating those folks. And so for I think for a lot of people, the call-out piece comes from, I don't want this to go unnoticed, I want you to be held accountable, I don't want you to contribute anymore to a culture where we allow these things to go unnoticed and allow people to feel invalidated in their experience. And so I think that that is a place where it comes from, where we overstep then is... I think bringing it to a point where folks have no ability to come back in and mm-hmm. we ostracize them. Yeah. And one of the things we know from folks who they there's a whole field of um, research and a whole field of folks who do treatment and help do rehabilitation for folks who have perpetrated violence. And I think one of the things that I've learned from them over the last couple of years is a great protective factor from somebody doing that again is to be part of a community Mm. and to be able to be in a space where folks, maybe it's other men on the team, they've said something terrible and the other guys on the team say, listen, that was really awful. You can't do that again. And you need to get on board with us. Here's how you're going to do that. You're going to be part of this fold. And I think, um, I, I think that's how I see teams like yours and other folks that are building communities where men can have those really um, important conversations where they hold each other accountable, but then also come back and say, yes, and here's how, here's your next step of being better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I see folks being, I think, the most effective. Jeff, that answer from Carly reminded me of the story you told that we got a lot of feedback from uh, from a lot of men listening about the, the person in your community that you guys knew had committed an act. 
and your first reaction, I think, and I don't want to over say the story wrong, was, hey, we're going to pound this guy, but you went over as a group and talked with him about the expectations for existing there going forward. Yeah, and actually that wasn't my experience. That was a story from uh, one of the trainers. That's right, yeah. Founders, uh, Ted Bunch. You know, and, and, and I think Carly's point, I agree with 100%. Like, we, we are herd animals, right? Like, so isolation is not going to do anything other than set somebody down a path for delinquency and for, for harmful behavior, not only to self, but others. I mean, mm-hmm. you brought up the Joker, man, but like, old boy's backstory, he wasn't brought yep. into the community. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he was ostracized. Yeah. So, um, and with Ted Bunch's story, you know, a call to has that overall opinion. Um, he says, we're not here to indict you. We're here to invite you as men. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think the way we have shifted the conversation of seeing men not as potential perpetrators, but overwhelmingly as potential um, upstanders, bystanders, good men, community members. Mm-hmm. I mean, majority of men are never going to be physically or sexually violent. So playing into that idea, like we need to keep building up the team. Yet if we, we cut people off the knees and cancel culture, I think the, the times I've been called in, actually I was in a, on a college campus in Maryland two, two weeks ago, uh, and this young person called me in in a super respectful way. I, I, I'll just name my comfort with, with uh, gender and race is pretty, is, is pretty on point. I've had 15 years to give reps. Inclusivity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with language and certainly naming um, certainly some of our trans community members, mm-hmm. my language isn't always good. Um, this person, this younger person, after my second uh, two-hour workshop, um, asked if they could talk to me. And they, they just named, they gave me some suggestions saying, when you, you, you talked about you know, heterosexual or cis men being able to walk out and not be assaulted. She's like, you're not, that's not correct. You, you, you may be safe in your body, but not all of us are safe. And it, it was a really it was wow. a beautiful yeah. way. And it took some courage for them. I took it as love. Uh-huh. Like they want me to be better when I go out the next time. Um, but I think that wasn't, that wasn't cancel culture. That was just uh, uh, information let me know. But mm-hmm. people who are living uh, living the reality right now on a college campus, yeah. that ain't me. I'm 42, right? So I, I was really, and my first instinct was to start telling this person how they're wrong, get up out mm-hmm. of here, mm-hmm. let me tell you all my excuses. Um, but thankfully, I've had some reps um, through the coalition's work with, uh, with deep breathing. No, it's just calming, man. Yeah, that's, I was able to hear them. It, that's, it sounds more like they were, and they were sending you forward, better equipped for the next time, rather than trying yeah. to cut off your path. Carly, it reminds me one of the things you mentioned earlier, and I know both of you can speak to this because you've been in so many more settings uh, than myself. But I think you mentioned to me one of the first two, two or three times we had met. You said establishing in the room you're presenting or talking with whatever the group is, establishing the safety, like a safety zone, and or what are the rules to the conversation? I think you mentioned, which has been something I've tried to teach my seniors when they go out into the high school rooms. Like exactly like you mentioned, everyone in there is going to assume you're claiming that they're all rapists and you have to get like try to find a way to move past that initial defense mechanism. Well, that's not me, because even in the conversations on campus, we had a big convocation last year and one of the overriding themes from the men after the initial presentation was, well, it's not me. You keep saying it's me and finding, you know, how do you move forward from that? So I'd I'd love to hear from both of you on that piece of it. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited, Jeff, to hear how you all do it. How I learned, um, I think has, uh, I'll start over, I think how I learned to set up those conversations and how I do them now has grown a little bit. How I learned to do them was that we really formally set ground rules with everybody, right? So you get into the room and we say, what are all of the things that you all want to ensure that this space is good and safe? Or I would just give them prescribed ground rules of here's the thing, like we're not going to interrupt each other. We're going to have like all of these kind of things. And I think that what you're saying is where I've grown to be more in the last, you know, five, 10 years, which is I not only need to go into a space and help folks feel a certain way, but if I'm going to do that, I need to show up with that attitude. And so I need to go in with the assumption 
that everybody is there for like with good intentions mm-hmm. and I need to do that I think in a genuine way because I think it's really easy for folks especially students when I get in a room and they can feel that they mm-hmm. feel that I'm not genuine or maybe that I'm nervous or whatever it is and I think part of that once I'm in there is just trying to communicate this is your space and I want to make it useful for you. I'm not here to waste anybody's time. And so if you want to be in this space with me, I invite that. And here's some of the ways I imagine that looking like. I imagine it looking like a conversation. I imagine it looking like a space where you can ask questions and I'm not going to judge you Mm -hmm. for that question. And then I'm going to give you my honest and thoughtful response. And in, and in reaction, you're going to take, that is a good intention too. If I give you information that might not feel great, like to Jeff's example, if I give you information that's maybe contrary or feels like gets that feeling in your belly where you're like, Oh, Oh, but I didn't mean it that way. Or I didn't write like all mm-hmm, of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, it's a, it's kind of a both and, and so really trying to set it up as a space where it can be a conversation where learning is the end game. Like we yeah. want folks to step out of that space. Um, maybe with more information than they had going in. Yeah. Jeff? Uh, I always pull from the wise sage, uh, the movie Fast Times at Ripmont High. Uh, <laughs> you know, he finds it like it's our time. We're all together. And mm-hmm. so I think opening up is similar to Carly's there's piece um, that we're here together to have a conversation. Also knowing that you know, there's going to be folks in the room who've experienced trauma, yeah. specifically naming domestic or sexual violence either they themselves were the recipient of that harm, or they grew up in a home that was violent, um, people they cared about were affected by it. So just naming that, to, to me, puts it in the space and normalizing that we all have our backgrounds mm-hmm. and, and things we come from. So going forward in a conversation, again, is, and then having, then also wanting to name right after that, the, the harm that you received or people you loved, it was never their fault. Yeah. The, the person who was harmed is never in, never at fault. It's still a choice that somebody made. So flipping it a little bit of making the choice, if they want to be involved in the conversation, fantastic. And you know, our, our intention is not to shift their values wholly, but instead to give them some seeds mm-hmm. and, and planting in this idea of like spore theory, of putting out a conversation Ooh. around new ideas and thoughts. That, that what it, what's it mean to be a member of this team, this fraternity, this organization? Um, and if they can't get down with that, then just out of respect to the person to their left or their right, yeah. just to, to be present and, and not disrupt them, not mm-hmm. disrupt anybody else, out of respect. Yeah. You know, for the teammates, if they can hold that, then we can go forward. Um, and the idea of like safe space, I, I don't think that we can create safe space. We can create safer spaces, but we mm-hmm. never know what's going to leave after that. So my intention walking in, especially with sports teams, with athletics, is talking about just a common vocabulary and just a, a, a common place. Mm-hmm. It's not a starting place, but it's a common conversation. The, the root of it really goes back to the strength of the locker room. Those conversations going forward are the young men and young, young student-athletes, young women are going to have is beyond me coming in one time or somebody from the community one-time presentation. It's the culture that they're co-creating together, mm-hmm. expectations. Mm-hmm. The, you know, you mentioned talking about, you know, maybe um, the upfront conversation. I think I, I aired yesterday. Um, I was given a, a speaking spot up in Portland. There was a, a fantastic basketball mind. Chris Oliver was up there. So obviously my, my good friend who I put in quotes now because he put me after the featured speaker which is the death <laughs> slot for anybody, right? Thanks, Finney. Um, but I came in and I purposely named my segment a basketball term, special situations, because it's something basketball coaches you know, obsess about. But I was really going to talk about the stuff that the three of us all connect on. And I was really going for shock value to show coaches that they're not prepared for some of these things, that they're not doing the work that really matters in comparison to the amount of time they're spending on an out-of-bounds play. But I was—I really was going for the shock value, but then as I looked up, before I was about to drop the, the word rape just out of my mouth in the middle of a free-throw situation, uh, I was like, man, this is, a, this is a, a multi-gendered audience, and you're about to just shock value this. How is that going to play? And I did it anyway, and people ended up saying, oh, my gosh, you really grabbed my attention. But I could see how that would be a problem, not establishing up front, hey, we're going to get into some heavy stuff. 
Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, you know, it got me a lot of tweets, but I don't know if it was the right way to do it, right? So if I do it again, maybe, maybe I'm going to set up better language in the beginning of where I'm taking the conversation. I appreciate that, Kip. In, in certainly in special situations, right? Your your intensity is already up. Your mind yeah. is starting to narrow, narrow focus, and a way to give permission as well for people to get up out when they need to, is yeah. to take care of themselves. Right. You know. It, right. This stuff's going to land in different ways, and so um, I was doing some work with the Forest Service um, on bystanders, and you know, there's 400 people, you know, throughout these nine sessions all come from different walks. And so one of the things we tried to open up with was if this is a space where you want to have conversation, it's about getting reps and practice. And so there are some scenarios. And if I wanted to invite people, if there's something you're working through or you're not even aware of, but something gets triggered and you get some feelings, take it outside, take care of yourself. If you need to get outside, get mm -hmm. some water, get some air, fake a phone call, but just get out of the space and take care of you. And I think that invitation, I That's believe needs one. to be there yeah. for any team. Or any yeah. setup, it's not mandatory. It means you got to grit your teeth through it. Like mm -hmm. We've raised our boys in a lot of ways, especially student athletes. Right? Yeah, grit through the pain. Are you hurt? Are you injured? You know, the yeah. emotional stuff we can't see, so it's hard to validate that. Unfortunately, so All right, Carly. Question for you that I think is a benefit is a question that I got afterwards. And Jeff, I feel free if you've gotten this too in, in in different settings. I had a lot of coaches, both male and female coaches of of fem all female teams come up to me afterwards and ask hey you know we appreciate you sharing about your team but you've got all 18 to 22 year old men how is this applicable where would you start if you had a team of, of women so I had everything from high school freshman girls coaches all the way through uh, junior college uh, women's teams coaches ask me this thing and I'm not gonna lie to either one of you I said I'm gonna virtually connect you with two people that I know have the answer so get ready for that but what wh where do you where do you go with that because I remember yeah. I was supposed to talk with the softball team, and goodness gracious, I needed your input before I went into that room. Uh, you know, so yeah. go ahead, you you take over. Yeah, and I think that's an area where we make a distinction a lot of times, and sometimes I think that it's helpful. But I, I think a lot of times we make the mixed gender, separate gender group um, more impactful or, or a bigger deal than it needs to be. Okay. Sometimes, and I think one of the things that I would suggest to those coaches or ask those coaches that came up to you afterwards was I think probably where you were at a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. which was, um, what is the status of my team and what do they need mm -hmm. and what do I, where are my strengths and what can I help them with? And gotcha. I think there are two really important parts in that. One is you might have a team of young folks, especially if they're all female identified. Um, like you were saying, there's a lot of high school and college female um, teams there that were coming up mm -hmm. where their coaches were talking to you. And so checking in with them of like, this is an area that I'm interested in helping do more education around. What are some areas that you all want to explore? I think that that's one great strategy because people now have so many more um, outlets and access to information than I would have as a high school student mm -hmm. or, as, mm -hmm. or as even as a college student. And so many of my students are so much more articulate in some of these issues than I am. And so starting with them and saying, like, what do you already know? Where do you need to go? Might be one strategy. I think another one is just starting very basic and i'm curious kip where you first started before i kind of came into the picture and we talked a little bit about this at the beginning but around maybe foraying in an area that you're passionate about or that you think that they could use but that's more resource based yeah. so one of the areas that i've seen coaches start is i'm going to just have carly come in and she's just going to give you a quick five minute like rundown about the the services at the health center mm -hmm, and then i'm mm -hmm. back in a month and that time i'm talking a little bit more in depth um one team that i worked with also a basketball team i just went in and was like hey we've got a flu clinic coming up here's the things that are coming up for that was that a huge part of my job no right. but i got my fakes in there yeah um and i think that we can do kind of that dosage with other folks too um other teams where it's starting off with hey i just want to make sure you have all the resources that you need should you need them as a student okay now we're going to start talking a little bit about language okay now we're going to start talking a little bit about how do athletes show up in media right we can look mm -hmm. at some of the things that both our teams might need and some of the things like that they're telling us that they want to learn about but we can also start from i think just that really basic kind of dosing here's a little bit at a time yeah. until we start getting you comfortable with the culture not where flooding them more. with something heavy the first time they meet you 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeff, yeah. thoughts on that? Oh, that'd be wonderful. Uh, I, I've been tossed into the water um, just of like doing one-time training. So yeah, um, mm. it's uh, I facilitated a, a bystander intervention program with the women's college basketball team, and uh, there were two men in the room, myself and one of the assistant coaches, who I'd known for a while. Um, however, I. I, I had to name it up front. I just said, this is a little ironic to me. I'm a male body up here talking to a room full of college-age women who uh, about ways that they can protect themselves from and their teammates from sexual violence and domestic violence. Mm-hmm. More likely, it's the hands of, of cisgendered men, heterosexual men. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say we know, you know, of course, violence occurs across any identity. Um, however... I had to name that up front because I was feeling like a big fraud. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get, yes. Like, it was a more curious space of coming in and saying, we're going to have this conversation. However, like, please inform me if this is a reality you've had. I'm not saying for all female-identified student-athletes this is going to be it, but mm-hmm. help me fill in the gaps of, of, of where we can connect. And also, we kind of ended with the space of what would they want their male peers to know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a lot for a lot they wanted to get off um, up their chest, really, about just objectification and how frequent it is, and, and this assumption that male bodies are more important. I mean, these young folks had a ton to say around comparing, you know, what, what their basketball over the holiday break, what their meal schedule looked like compared to their male counterparts. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There were discrepancies, and it was it had nothing to do with domestic or sexual violence. It was really in that gender pay equity thing, right? Uh, and so, it was. It, it, I had to do some breathing, but I think being up front and just trying to be tra- vulnerable and transparent with my my insecurities, it helped. I really like what you said, Carly, though about familiarity. Um, that that'd be a great ask. I'm gonna try to put that forward yeah. anytime else that comes up. Yeah, think, it's hard. Go ahead. Go ahead, Carly. Oh, I was going to say, I, just to to validate that, Jeff, like, I have been in so many spaces where I've had to go in just cold and haven't had the opportunity to really build that up um, or build that relationship ahead of time. And that is so hard to be. And Kip, I imagine that was kind of how it was mm-hmm. at your step yesterday around, I'm going to be in this space with a whole bunch of people I don't know talking about a hard thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the tools that I've used and that I think is really helpful in a lot of different spaces is just beginning by connecting folks to the topic that you're going to talk about from a, hey, we are all impacted by this. And you you all touched on that earlier. And I think connecting folks with whatever you're there to talk about, whether that's through think of a time or think of somebody who you care about who has experienced this or think of a time when this came up in conversation. How did you feel about it? Any, there's so many different uh, prompts or starters that you can use to start getting folks connected to why that impacts their life. Why would it matter to them? And one of the things we know about adult learners, and I think this even includes high school folks, is how if we uh, don't care about something or don't feel like it pertains to us, we're not going to pay attention to it. Yeah. And so starting that off, if it's not a space where you have the opportunity to build a relationship, starting that off session or starting that talk off with let's let's find some ways where we can all establish common ground or build a connection to this okay we're all on the same page now let's go yeah. um i think that that can be a really helpful tool for folks hey this is a great segue to one of the one of the uh topics i sent you guys to, to prep for um and i have once again just prepare yourselves throughout these times when i send you things and then we don't talk about any of them because you guys are so good <laughs> on something else my team will tell you all kinds of stories about practices gone off the sheet so that's that's you know that's a whole me thing but i do think it is a good segue to one thing i wanted to make sure you guys both had a chance to talk about because of the name um what are these what are these where are we calling men into like where do we need their voices specifically in the work you guys are doing and then also jeff and i suppose you you and i can can talk about this too where do we got to shut the hell up as men um funny story that i just was i don't know if it was a book i read or just a realization after 39 40 years of being an idiot my wife would lay down the law with the kids on something right like she would say xyz and then i was constantly in a rush to co-sign it with yeah i'm in on like she needed the validation from the big dog? Come on. 
But that came to my head. Like, shut your mouth. She's fine. She didn't need you. Just get out of the way. She might be talking to you at the same time. So those kind of ideas, and I know, Jeff, you've probably got a lot, but let's start with where do we need these voices that we're, that we're using our podcasts and our, our mini platform to try to bring them into, and where, 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 where can we use them at? Oh, my gosh. I have a thought. Do you mind if I Go. share? Go. Yeah. <laughs> so after listening um, to our – I listened back to our conversation from the last podcast, and I think in one of the parts I was talking about – strategies, things that folks might need in order to help with the work. And I said, you know, it's, I think it's important for folks to have a little bit of courage Mm -hmm. and start to use their bravery in spaces where they might not have used it before. And that felt like after listening back to it, like a super big ask. And so I want to clarify that and add a more specific area. (laughs) I loved it. No, go ahead. Keep going. But I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Where folks can, because I, I think, we see the most growth and we see things change when when people are able to step into a space where they're uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. that's often, I think, what I mean by bravery or having some courage there. And uh, I think one of the spaces where it would be super helpful and just using my own personal experience as somebody who is cis female and meaning I was born female, I identify as female, that is like how I've grown up, that is my lens on the world. One of the areas that I have been so grateful slash been really I think I think just um felt lifted up by when men stepped in was in in places where I have already expressed an opinion I have already expressed an idea most often it was an idea and uh whether that was a meeting or in the classroom or in another space mixed gender or not where I said hey, I have this idea, this is what I'm thinking, and five minutes later, um, inevitably, what has happened, I think, over the course of, especially in my career, is some somebody, usually male-identified, usually a guy, says, hey, I have this really great idea, and it's almost verbatim mm. what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost, it's this really weird parallel moment of sitting there and thinking, like, I did just say that out loud, right? Like a whole yeah. room. Of You're not on crazy pills. You said it first. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like I said this, and there. I think the majority of times it was the second person that was heard, and it was the second person where it was like, "Oh my gosh, that was such a great idea," and that's ran with. And while I don't think it's a call for, I constantly need the validation or the um, the credit for the idea. It's it's when that happens over and over when folks aren't heard over and over i think that you start becoming less willing to share those ideas mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to step out in that space to to be brave to do those things and so moments where it's so helpful when men can speak up is in those instances when they see something like that i've had really wonderful colleagues that are like oh that is such a great idea to the calling men in piece. They would say things like that is fabulous. You know, Carly said that a few minutes ago and you know, I think that you two might be able to work together on this or, and they just thought of really thoughtful ways to bring it back to, I'm not trying to call you out for copying essentially. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but, but Hey, I want to let you know, like, Hey Carly, I heard you. I heard that you said that. Um, and it, in that instance, I think we are all in, classrooms in boardrooms in locker rooms where we hear people duplicate someone's idea or duplicate someone's message and claim it as their own and the ability to say i heard somebody else say that let's Mm -hmm. let's go back to that did you carly did you have anything to add yeah did you have anything that you want something like that would be super helpful that's a, that's a, that's awesome you say that. It makes me and this is not because oh let me tell you how Kip's a champion of the cause. It just came to my head just <laughs> naturally. Coach Peg Swayden of the women's team at Willamette. She and I travel in conference. We have to travel together. We go on the buses together. We're in the hotels. It's the same. It's double headers every night. And people always assume she is amazing at negotiating better rates. I can't do it. I'm scared on the phone. I can't do it. Peg is amazing. But as soon as somebody else in the department sees the rate through discussions, they come to my office and immediately assume it had to have been me, like the man on the phone that negotiated. And I'm always like, no, 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 no. Go to Peg. Go to Peg. She is, I I do none of that. I'm scared of the person at the front desk. And it's always a, it's always a double take. It really is like, oh, yeah, yeah. go next door. Goodbye. But anyway, go ahead, Jeff. Keep going. Self-deprecating a little bit. And yeah, I'm not go saying, ahead. 
not advocating that's great, but uh, I think sometimes diffusing things with humor is a, is a way that I feel more comfortable. I'm not a certain confrontational person, mm-hmm. um, but Kali's example of just shining the light back and, and being aware, knowing that again, I'm going to get listened to. I think that's half the reason I got the job back in 2004 was that you know I I was a male appearing person and. And I walk into a room and I start talking. I ask a lot of questions. But I'll tell you, my questions get answered a lot of times before my colleagues, my female colleagues, who've been around a lot longer. Mm. Um, my first mentor actually put the charge. She said, this is what I want to get done in this meeting. Um, you ask these questions. And she'd give me talking points to ask the questions. And I would. And we'd move through the agenda as she had drawn it up. But, I mean, it was just she was using me as the tool. Mm-hmm. Um but again, if people caught the vibe after about three or four meetings that I wasn't that smart. My <laughs> smart questions were what she canned me with, and the rest were some serious mouth-breathing ones. So it's, it's the observation piece, I agree. There's some, I think there's some things for us as men to be reflective about, and I'll just speak for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to get a lot of kudos for doing this work. Uh, I'd walk in the door with my, my facade, my fake, my fake outfit, which is a, a, a pressed shirt and a tie, trying to fake it. And people would say, oh, it's so good to have a man here. It's so great that you're here. And that's all I'd have to contribute. Mm. Um, so I think the low bar for me of just being a male and walking into these spaces historically where women have been doing this work. So it's, it's, it's giving me the, the practice to be reflective and do my own readings before I get to spaces um, and try to be a better listener. Mm-hmm. So I think for ways that we as men, for myself, is just looking internally first. Um, and who do I listen to? You were asking last time about uh, people to follow on social yeah. media. And, and again, after listening back, like, I noticed the sexism in me. Like, I couldn't name, I had to struggle to name one female uh, podcast presenter or a news anchor. Like, I hung on Doris Burke for so long. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just even recognizing my own sexism. Yeah. That, I, if I'm going to speak on things, I need to get a diverse opinion. So similar to Carly's ask on y'all's last podcast uh, of leaning into that bravery, um, I was listening to a podcast and they charged us with listening to five. Was it was it you, Carly, that said this? Listen to five people that don't have your same identities. Oh yeah, I saw um, and I figured out. I went back and looked at it. I found it online and it was an article that was talking about ways that you can broaden your scope of the world is to find. They said 50, so I think five is a good starting point. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for making it manageable, but yes. Yeah, right? I don't don't even know where to start half the time uh, with 50. That just feels like a huge amount. But yeah, starting with five people who don't identify the same way you do. See, I almost stole that from you right there. Mm. Shoots. (laughs) You caught it. Hey, does, uh, Carly, and I know you've, you've got more that I want to give you a chance to, to give, too, for some more opportunities. Can, this, I think, is a nice jump into the recent, I sent you guys some social media stuff, and I'm thinking about calling men in and that bravery piece. And one of my assistant coaches, because we have done a lot in the last couple weeks about the Antonio Brown, the, the NFL wide receiver, the sexual assault, the Patriots signed him, the Patriots played him, then they cut him, this whole back and forth. And my assistant coach from the staff has found himself in a lot of sports bars with his usual crew of lifelong friends, males, and continually listening to, she made it up, she wants money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that I know you guys are probably exhausted by in the work you do. But he found himself saying, Coach, it, it took me three times out with these guys in three sports centers until I finally said, what in the hell are you guys talking about? And then he said, then I launched into all the stuff I'd learned in our class with the guys, but it took me three times and I was furious at myself that it took me the the first two, I just let it fly. And then I thought to myself too, like, man, I've done the same thing where I heard this, a comment or something, and I didn't have that courage piece, Carly, at the time to step up and say, no, man, we don't, we don't do that here. You know, it's not, it's like we said before, it's not about Batman roundhouse kicking this person in the, in the moment. But it's stepping up in these conversations about that are happening everywhere, especially with these current events, that you can't just let the ignorance fly, you know. So go ahead. You guys take from there. Yeah. And I want to 
just say that too, and I, I think I need to keep reiterating this. Yes, we need to be uh, we need to be brave. We need to step in. We need to have courage. And I want to acknowledge that sometimes there is stuff that comes up for us that keeps us from doing that. Mm. Um, we all come into whatever you know locker room we're in, whatever classroom we're in, whatever space we're in, with the history of all the things that we've experienced. And so maybe I'm stepping into that conversation and like your coach was saying, I'm in that conversation and I'm listening to this and I'm just infuriated and it's bringing up for me the, the time that that happened to my family member mm-hmm. or I, right? I don't want to assume that everybody can be perfect all the time. And so while I'm saying, I think we absolutely need to start testing our courage, I think I also want folks to acknowledge there might be things that hold us back. And so how do we start to work around those Mm -hmm. a little bit? If Mm -hmm. we have those barriers to doing the thing we want to do, um, how do we address that? So maybe that's our courage is we're addressing the thing that's holding us back. And then we can step into that space. So I want to say that for folks first. And then I think in those um, moments too, what matters is that the action happened. Mm -hmm. I think that that's maybe it took three times. That sucks. Maybe that doesn't feel really great. I would love to hear about what happened on that third time. Yeah. What was that reaction that somebody said? What What did that conversation look like? Um, and I don't know that that's to your point. No, no, no. But <laughs> no, I, I, he, he talked specifically about it, about a group of four. And two, they just agreed to disagree and ordered another round. But the other friend of his, they continued having a conversation about what we do in the class. And so, you know, you, you go one for three in baseball, it's a pretty good day. So it wasn't a bad day for him at the bar, yeah. you know, dry, getting, the, getting the conversation home going forward with one out of the three there. Yeah. And I love that, right? Because what if, like Jeff's example of um, you're planting a seed for somebody. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's one conversation that we're having. And then maybe something comes up for that friend a couple months later. And now they know that that coach is the person like, oh. Yeah, you talked about this, so I'm going to seek you out and come talk to you about like this mm-hmm. again. What's that thing you're doing with your team? Or they hear it from somebody else, and they're like, "Wow, this! I'm starting to hear this from a lot of my friends. I know that this is where they stand, huh?" Like, and start to think about that a little bit more deeply. Mm-hmm. When when we see the folks around us um, having that courage, putting language to the things that we care about, and in this instance, it's treating people in a way that is good for humans, right? We don't want violence to happen. We don't think that it should happen to anybody. That when we start to see that in our peers, one of the things that we know through a lot of research is that our peers really help form how we then choose to act or the people Mm -hmm. that we care about and are closest to. And so if I know that the majority of my friends, that that's a value that they hold, I'm going to start considering that a lot more seriously than I might have before. Right. Jeff, thoughts on that? Oh, I'm just envisioning this young man sitting around the table, you know, and, and in the sports culture, especially there's that hot take. Yeah. You, know, you got to have your dope yeah. hot take. Yes. Zinger. Yes. And sometimes I think, I've, I've been guilty of this, we're, we're more sheep than we are actually leaders in that. And so we hear the hot take on ESPN and it's easy to get down with that. Like, oh, she is a gold digger, you know, victim blaming stuff. Rather than actually spend some time and thinking of, what would it be like to report? Mm-hmm. You know, and we know overwhelmingly, you think, it got me thinking about with Antonio Brown. And some of these locker rooms, these men are concerned with women who they think are going to falsely accuse them of rape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and But it keeps coming up. We know statistically, I could throw the stats at him of the, the false reports for sexual assault are similar to false reports of any other interpersonal crimes. Um break-ins, assaults, they're around 2 to 5%. Right. Yeah. That's not going to sway their heart in the moment, especially when they're mid of hot tape. Mm-hmm. So to me, my strategy has been leaning in of like, tell me more and ask them what else they think. And then leaning in with that piece of why. You Earlier when we were talking about setting up a room, um, oftentimes I know I've been guilty of going to judgment first. Yeah. Um, however, if I'm trying to practice about being calling all of us in my curiosity has got to lead so being curious when somebody makes a statement like that um and either asking verbally with the follow-up with it about about why or trying to give them some benefit of asking what happened to them today or what happened to them yesterday why would they come to that conclusion mm-hmm. tries to humanize me so in that same instance i 
with those comments coming up, I often just flip it as, what would it take to report? Yeah. What did he have to give up in this instance of, you know, this this woman? She's Her name is out there. Yeah. Her business is probably taking a hit. Like, what other things are at risk for her? If she's trying to make a money grab, I mean, civil suits are, there's this limit on civil right. suit. So, if we want to go logical, let's go logical. But, um, yeah, I think, I I think str- that, that basic curiosity helps. I struggle, and I appreciate you. I think some of the things, Carly, you mentioned, and, and Jeff, I think conversations like this, for me, it almost feels like it better equips me to exist in those spots, but also have a little bit more compassion, because I know I tend to jump to the check him off my list box. Maybe it's the political era we live in. Maybe it's my guards up. But I, it's definitely like, okay, we're done. This is going to be the last beer we share. When it doesn't need to be that way. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be that black and white. You know, I'm creating a false binary every time. But I, I definitely scroll too much Twitter feeds. That's definitely a problem. i got to get <laughs> off. i got to find some more positivity. But uh, move on. Carly, other spaces you wanted to, talk, that you wanted to bring up, because I know you got a great list for us, of where men are needed. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last time. I think that spaces where folks feel their most comfortable like most comfortable in are the spaces that we are able to make the most change the most quickly. And so for, I think specifically your team and because of the nature of this podcast, male only spaces are a really great place. Like I don't have access to those spaces and that's fine. I don't want it. That's Mm -hmm. okay. But I think that those are the spaces where we see folks start to build trust to be able to hold folks accountable or to be able to help folks have some kind of behavior or like heart change around things that will ultimately help us to prevent violence uh, mm-hmm. in the first place. And so I think those male only spaces, I also just from working with my students and working with your team, but also in a lot of spaces where I was the only female person in the room, that that is, I think, sometimes really, really hard. Mm. Because it's having to, on some level, acknowledge uh, that you might be challenging the social norms of that space, that you might be challenging what masculinity is or how it shows up in that space, that you might somehow be... uh, framing yourself as something less than masculine and these are all concerns that i've had students in our bystander workshops or in other workshops say like yes hey everything you're sounding is great and you literally have no idea what it would be for me to say that Mm. in the space of my peers Mm -hmm. and so oftentimes it's having to dial that back and say like great so what do we need to do to get maybe your team or get you to the space where that would be an option or where you is there something else that you can do but I think um those spaces where I think that there's times when when men say things in those spaces that maybe they don't say around family or they don't say around other folks right yeah and so I think that those spaces where we see that that's that would be a, a great place to be able to have men stepping up. And Jeff, I know like I know you you've mentioned already the locker room. I'm thinking of break rooms, you know, at the back of the bus on a on a tri- on a trip, you know, those spaces where it is very easy to try to just to, I know being a freshman as the only freshman on a varsity team and I'm in the back of the bus with the seniors, the conversation drifts immediately to sexual conquest and I have no choice but to just laugh with everybody. I have no idea what they're talking about, number one, no experience, but God forbid <laughs> they find they sniff me out, right? So, yeah. you know, I'm sure, Jeff, you've had to deal with some of that and Carly, you, you mentioned it. So, Jeff, go ahead, you on that part. Uh, I think Carly named this earlier, like the safety factor. I think you named it as a freshman in the back of the bus with a group of seniors. And I, I don't know if that's certainly the place where we're going to try to coach you up to, to jump up, be an advocate in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not for necessarily physical safety per se, but more about the, the social and emotional piece. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. That's put a lot of expectations of power on somebody who doesn't have a lot of power to yeah. begin with. And, and so, but in that moment, yeah, you can button up, not say anything. Or you could go along to get along, which yeah. is all survival techniques. Maybe, it, but then going back to your your assistant coach's piece, maybe it's the third bus trip where you finally firm up. Mm-hmm. And you maybe got one kid who's a junior or senior you can saddle back with and say, "I'm not down with that," or you know, knock it off, or you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a only moment in time. Um, so I think that that I appreciate Carly that piece around male only space. It seems ironic. But, I mean, this is, it is a man's <laughs> world. And there's 
a privilege abound for me. I can walk anywhere. However, these conversations get pretty, um, men get really insecure. And I think if we're, as men, we're driven to always know the answer. Um, (laughs) It's difficult for us to say, I'm not sure. Um, And I I see that oftentimes with young men who just either button up and slide down in the seat. I've come to know, I've come to take it as if, if a young man has slid in his seat a little bit, but he's still got eye contact with me, I think he's really engaged. Mm-hmm. He's just uncomfortable with where we're going, and, and it's it's not that he doesn't like the conversation. I don't think they have the reps in having the conversation. So I think it's discomfort in the discomfort. Mm-hmm. Carly, and I think that's where I can f- I can lose some of what you talked about, knowing what people are bringing to this conversation. Like, what is the weight of figuring out in your head like I, it just makes sense to me up there you know presenting logically a to b to c like look what i'm giving you the facts are the facts you should come to this conclusion and there i am ignoring that maybe a beloved family member that he really loves he's just now figuring out might have shown me something that wasn't awesome and, yeah. I, and i'm wrestling with that and kip wants me to jump on the woke train this morning you know and I and I just you know and that's probably that's the error in me as a coach. I want you to make, I just showed you the play. We should score every time, and it's it doesn't work that way on the court, and it damn sure can't work the way in this work. Yeah, and that's, we did that when I said at the beginning of the talk that we did that for years, and I still I still hear of this where folks go in and they say, "All right, to be a good man, this is what you need to do: A, B, C, D." And I think that's acknowledging maybe that the person in front of the room has a game plan mm. and not that other folks in the room have things to, that they can contribute to that plan or ways that they're saying, Hey, I can't even get to step a, yeah, like I can't, I can't even do that. And so to be able to be in that space, I think, um, for us as leaders in that space or us as uh, not even leaders as facilitators of those conversations, that's where that humility piece comes in around. I need to acknowledge that the folks in the room are going to be, checking out or checking in for a wide variety of reasons and absolutely that example jeff gave around the student who or the person who might be leaning back in their chair but they're tuned in like i've still got eye contact with them i had a student who made zero eye contact with me i thought he was asleep the entire time of a two-hour session Mm -hmm. and all i kept thinking was like in the moment i was like man, I totally lost that person. Like, I didn't get through to them at all. And one of the things, he stopped me the next day. He came to my office, and we talked a little bit. And he was like, I I was listening. I had my head down, but I just, I could not make eye contact with anybody in the room. This stuff is just really hitting home for me right now. Mm. And so that conversation, I, I'm curious, Jeff, if you run into this too, but I'm, I'm privy to a lot of those conversations after the fact where the people who seem the most checked out are, are some of our folks who are either struggling the most or who are so attuned that I think that they're just having a hard time sticking with us in a classroom. Yeah, I, I agree with the, the male identified. Piece. I'll go with the, the Tony Porter and Paul Kibble's man box. Yeah. Was to perform. Um, and, and I think one of those methods of, of staying in the man box and, and being comfortable in the way we come up is that with that discomfort. So I can't look at you and try to process this right now. So, but I, I've had conversations similar um, where, where young men specifically were, were dialed in afterwards, and it was a, a 25, 30-minute debrief around, you know, their growing up experiences, what they're dealing with. Um, at a young man at a, at a college, um, it was a Big Ten school, and as a freshman, I watched him, and he was a beast. Made all, all, all Big Ten freshmen. Sophomore year was doing well. And then his junior year, he had this huge slump. And I was, I was the coach at home. I was yelling at him to the TV, mm-hmm. you know, criticizing every drop step and dribble off the foot was wrong. And um, I had the opportunity to go to this team in his senior year, and we were doing a bystander engagement piece. And we stayed for an extra hour, hour 15 afterwards after the session. And he, just like you mentioned, Carly, no eye contact, head down, but I saw he was crying, and I saw paper tears on his paper. Um, and that that sixty seventy five minutes after he shared about his cousin who was sexually assaulted between his um, sophomore and junior year, mm. uh, cousin was raped, and and it just how it affected the family, um, you know, because of the incident. So I think that's one piece of talking with men that we often aren't naming as well of like the vicarious trauma, you know, the way that when people we love are harmed 
it's going to shake and it shake us up. Um, like going back to that man box, we are trained so well to not deal with any deflect pain and say I'm good and bury things. But these conversations can start really uncovering some of these pains that we've buried pretty deep. Um, and the responses are going to be varied. But I do believe that men want more. Um, they want more of these conversations. They want to feel. They want to have joy. Um, they want to be better people. Um, I think just the way that we have socialized young men is really counter to what the opportunities are with this generation clash and, and looking at and getting rid of, of gender norms and, or adding things in to what it needs to be man, certainly. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot, of, a lot of confusion in this time right now. So people are, are unsure, but I believe that people want more. Five five minute mark, and I promised uh, you guys on the text and, and your partners and my wife that we would be sixty minutes and not ninety seven. Uh, what either parting thoughts or, th- or thoughts for people as as they as they leave our first session of many hopefully to come uh, from either one of you guys going forward into the into the month after they listen and before we get back on here thoughts from you guys. Jeff, you have a thought on this one. I do, Carly, but I had some notes from the conversation with y'all, but we'll talk about <laughs> that later. Um, okay. in, in your piece around where men can step in and step out, um, one thing that came up for me listening to Muffet McGraw's presser. Mm, at the final four, yeah. Final four, yeah, which said she wouldn't hire a man, Boach. Um, I've been giving that some more thought, and just I think of a way for, for me of stepping out Um is with our daughter's basketball team. This email was going through um, if she wanted to play um, this upcoming season. She's nine, and she, the kid doesn't want to turn down anything, so it's not like she's an aspiring hoop player. She's an aspiring hangout with her buddies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think for me, as a man, I need to, to step away from any coaching opportunities, not because I don't know the game or, or can't, You'll watch YouTube videos for drills for anything that they, she wants to do. But we, we, my partner and I both want her to have strong female role models, specifically in the sports she chooses to play. Mm. Um, so I think for one aspect for me as a man is I will step out uh, mm-hmm. of any coaching opportunities athletically. Now, if it's an instrument or a theater or song somewhere, I'll lean into that. But um, I think for us as men, I got no business coaching women's softball. I never played a lick in my life. Um, I've never played field hockey, uh, gymnastics, things that I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I got no business. So I think for me as a man, I'm going to be stepping out uh, of any of those athletic coaching opportunities that, that may come for our kids down the way. That's that's hilarious you say that because my wife made more baskets at Willamette than anybody in the history of the school except one person. And it'd be the audacity I have to have to go out and tell my kids to listen to me tell them how to shoot. Are you serious? <laughs> Dad. Dad, pump your brakes. Mom's in the Hall of Fame. Do you have uh, anything named after you? No, no, I'm going to go inside. Watch the Cowboys, guys. <laughs> have fun. Carly, go ahead. Yeah, I just I think for my one thing for folks to think about is that uh, I really just gravitated towards the title, Jeff, that you came up with for the podcast here and just thinking about who, who can we call in that mm. maybe we're not talking to. And so for in the next month, maybe that's a challenge for folks of like how can we – think about who's not at the table, who's not there with us. And specifically, if we're talking about men and, and men's sports, who who do I need to be talking to mm-hmm. this month? Um, and so I think that that would just be my area or, or thought that I leave with folks is, is ponder on that. And then if you take action in the next month, awesome. Fantastic. Hey, you guys are the best. Great first episode, Cross the Streams podcast, calling men in monthly now, provided all our schedules align and, and you know legislation is passed to get us all together on the times we need to, uh, but we'll, we'll connect on our group chat. You guys appreciate you having on for this first one. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kip. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Carly. Content reminder, the opinions expressed on the Cross the Streams podcast are those of the host and the guests alone and do not reflect the opinions of the institutions, universities, or businesses that employ the hosts or the guests. Never tired. 
stop till I get mine Till then I'm keeping the shine Keeping my shine I'm just keeping my shine